and welcome to Wonderstruck. I am your host, Elizabeth Rovier. I'm a clinical psychologist, a yoga teacher, and a graduate of Harvard Divinity School. I am really curious about experiences of wonder and awe and how they transform us. My guest on this episode is Daniela Riva. We met up last summer at Wonderstruck's first ever symposium in Bon Convento, Italy, held in partnership with Five Books and Harvard Divinity School's Center for the Study of World Religions. Our interview is recorded on location there. Daniela grew up in Italy, but came of age spiritually and creatively while studying temple dance and sacred movement ritual in Chennai, India. A renowned performer and teacher, her methods empower women by connecting them to a deeply rooted and transformative art form whose story of survival is one to behold. Daniela has a gift for illuminating the connections between movement and wonder, between the body and its ability to generate moments of awe. She adds a beautiful layer to our series and introduces the idea that changed her life, that dance can be absolutely transportive and a path to expanding consciousness. Daniela, you teach Indian temple dances, specifically Bharata Natyam, one of the most famous Indian classical dance styles in the world, as traditionally performed by Devadasi, or priestesses. Yeah. So this dance form is over 2,000 years old, and it's a dance in the adoration of the divine. And I find that so profound. And as you explain in your book, The Sacred Dance of the Devadasi, this, this devotional dance form expresses sacred content. You write, it is a way for the dancer to discover the self and the universe, to realize the union between body and soul, and between the microcosmos and the macrocosmos. So that's an amazing quote. Would you open that up for me and our listeners and help us understand what that means? Yes, absolutely. So Indian dance was born in the temples, is a sacred art, and it was born as a way to honor the divine, the deities. And uh, the dancer becomes in this way a channel to express sacred contents, energies, and uh, feelings and emotion to communicate uh, to the audience. And so uh, Indian dance is not an entertainment, uh, is not just a, a beautiful physical expression and, and art of India, but it's much more than that. It's really a, a way to uh, express and communicate the divine. And it is uh, a powerful way to connect with the audience, connect with the universe, feeling that we are a part of something bigger. And so it's an extremely refined art with a deep sacred sense of uh, ritual, of devotion, of bhakti and dedication. So it's very interesting that with Indian dance, we train the body. There is a very uh, intense physical training. However, at the same time, uh, we are really asked to um, open our heart, sharpen our minds, and really connect with this something else, something bigger than us, so we can 
channel and express and become vehicle to communicate these sacred contents. So what actually happens within us, in our bodies, like during, these, during the dance that connects us to spirit, to the heart, to our own inner knowing. Like what, what can you describe like what actually is happening there? So uh, this dance is really a journey, is an inner journey. And uh, of course with cultivation, well, we are working on our body to become this refined instrument, let's say of the divine. And uh, year after year, we also developed, we are pushed to uh, a sort of, we can call awakening awakening of energies, awakening of the, of, of the soul is really a call for the soul. And so uh, that's why the training in Indian dance is, uh, is so long and deep because it takes the dancer to a deeper level, mm -hmm. to a deeper level of knowing, of self-discovery, of knowing uh, the body, but knowing also uh, and sharpen the mind and connecting the divine, knowing and understanding or giving a meaning of, of what we call these transcendentals. And so in this sense is really a transformational journey of self-discovery, is a push, is awakening of a lot of energy. Uh, and we can call them Kundalini Shakti, this incredible power that is cultivated in the, in the body and in the mind and in the soul. And so it's very transformative, it's very powerful because it was encoded in these rituals that are coming from so far away, from so many years of tradition. So they do carry a, a very uh, strong, potent uh, force. Mm -hmm. And so the dancer really gradually awaken to this beauty, to these riches, to this wisdom. Mm -hmm. So part of this journey that the dance takes you on is a, an awakening of this kundalini shakti. And well, I'm just wondering, is it possible to explain a little bit what, what Kundalini Shakti is, right? I mean, even myself as a you know, yoga practitioner, like I have a sense, right? It's like the energy that kind of like flows up the spinal cord and awakens, but it's deep, it's so much deeper than that. Could you explain it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, uh, we can say for, for our audience, for everybody, uh, Shakti means power. Uh, force is something that doesn't begin and doesn't end, it's something uh, really uh, big, it's an expansion. And it is in our body and outside of us, and um, it's an incredible power. My Indian dance teacher has a beautiful way to describe this, this Shakti. She used to tell me, you know, Daniela, this is like current. It's like electricity. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's very hard to describe electricity. Mm. How can you describe and, and specifically and especially how can you contain electricity? Right. And so um, there is this beautiful image of, of the cable so we need the cable, right, for electricity so that we can have lamps and everything can be light up and work. And uh, 
the cable is, is a beautiful symbol of the protection of this energy. We need to channel this energy. Otherwise, it's, it's just pure energy. It's like everywhere. It would, it would just chaotic. even chaotic and mm -hmm. burn us, right? So we need this channel. We need this protection of this energy. But we also need to know how to deal with this. And so in this sense, somehow, Indian, in, in the Indian dance training, we learn how to uh, gradually, of course, uh, channel, feel, awaken, expand, control, and also use this force mm. and this is of course is is a work on 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 the body on shaping the body mm -hmm. so it's starting from from the material from from the physical starting from just stamping the feet in the floor and opening up the body it's very intense and demanding work like like when we learn yoga asana mm -hmm. the posture uh, but then, of course, it's so much more than that, because then we learn to breathe, and so pranayama, and then we need to put dhyana, the meditation, the mind, and then there is more than that, so we need to be open to understand what, are the, what is the subtle body. And so uh, it's, it's a very um, gradual uh, work on on getting in touch with this energy that awakens mm. somehow and also I can say for every person is different of course and this is also the difficult uh, part of describing Kundalini Shakti because it's such a personal journey mm. it's something that um, for uh, some people can just be like an instant uh, awakening so we, we can talk about this serpent energy that is uh, coming up through the spine but for other people it can be just like an open heart or uh, you know like a vision so it's it's really something very personal and that it takes uh, a different time and maybe I can relate to myself and share my experience uh, when I physically felt um, this energy coming into my body was in the first years of my training when I really um, learned how to stamp the floor, which is something hmm. that we don't do in the Western world. It's, hmm. It was something so unusual and I studied ballet and, and classical ballet and so it was everything uh, light and, and in, in the air but in India we were connecting with Mother Earth and stamping my feet on the floor and I felt so much energy rising up. I love that. <clears throat> through my Muladhara chakra, through my spine and I was uh, with my private dance teacher and I felt that. I just felt that like uh, like mm -hmm. an immense power and energy and since then I think really my life completely shifted wow. from not just physically but from all perspectives so mentally spiritually the way I could perceive things mm -hmm. and uh, from there it was all a work of cultivation and, and just getting to know this this energy and mm -hmm. And transform and, and use it in a proper way. 
Uh, and of course, the guidance of my wonderful Indian guru was so uh, fundamental in sure. all this. I, I, I completely trusted them, like complete faith. And, mm -hmm. and so it was a journey that, of course, it didn't take one week in worship. It, it took me many years mm -hmm. of dedication and uh, surrender. For you, it was stomping your feet on the ground, on the earth, on yes. the earth, stomping, like being connected, yes. like I'm here, I, I recognize you, Yes. we're in this together. Yes. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about you stomping your feet, and it's yeah. like this wake-up call for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. So, and that was one of the things that first uh, also struck me because in India you feel this great veneration for Mother Earth mm. and the first thing that we do when we start uh, a dance class we do Namaskar or Bhumi Pranam so Pranam is a salutation to Bhumi which is the goddess of the earth so mm. and and why we are doing that because uh, we are uh, taking permission and say thank you to this beautiful ground which becomes sacred where we can dance. And this is also how we open a performance. So we bless the ground, we feel that we are a part of Mother Earth. And so we are touching the ground and symbolically taking that energy into the body. And then we start stamping and physically that, at the beginning I was this, I don't know, I was almost like shy or scared, like, oh, it was very weird mm -hmm. for me, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, you're there and then the teacher is pushing you through, okay, you do it, and learning how to connect with the ground, with Mother Earth, and I felt so alive. I felt for the first time that I was, mm. I was a part of this incredible river. I was, uh, I was awakened, I was there, you know, mm -hmm. dancing, and that was, for me was incredible. I was thinking about the beautiful paradox of this, where, you know, you, you awaken, you feel more alive than you've ever felt in your life, yes. and yet you're barefoot and you're surrendering, yes. right? So it's like, it's the greatness through like the heart and the surrender. Yes. Not the I, ego. Not the ego. It's just, you know, you let go of everything. You let go of your beautiful shoes and your suitcase and uh, comfort and everything. However, you're just so much nourished and uplifted and, mm -hmm. and expanded. Mm. But because I think that's the way that the shati flows through yes. the energy, yes. because there are not blockage is just really feeling that these inner shakti and outer shakti is just, there is no boundaries, like mm -hmm. no, no, no barriers, let's say it's just mm -hmm. a flow. And yeah, it's, it's just very humbling. Not easy, mm -hmm. I, I want to say, because sometimes when I describe my journey, everybody is like, oh, you, you just so, you stayed in India so long, it must have been so beautiful. And pr probably they portrayed me like sitting on a beautiful, you know, lotus flower and just, you know, learning this beautiful dance and wearing this. It was Hard. very challenging. Hardcore, yeah. <laughs> it was one of the most challenging it was the most beautiful and the most challenging time because it was such a, 
shift uh, yeah. of everything. Yeah. Transformational. So it was a shift of everything, everything in that way? I was in my 20s, so for me, I would say that was a, a real call, a real awakening. And I think it was the first time, you know, that I was chanting under a banyan tree. <laughs> I was praying. I mean, I was chanting and praying mantras, and I was going to temples, and I was learning this beautiful history of, of a culture that it's, it's so distant from ours, but finding myself there, right. finding who I am there is very interesting. So losing myself somehow, losing who I was before, um, what I was used to, my my idea of, of life, of a career maybe, or and just... Of who you were supposed to be. Who I was supposed to be, exactly. And then suddenly being in this completely different reality, which was so foreign and, and different. And however, I was really finding myself. I was mm. so uplifted and, and happy. Mm -hmm. Those were the happiest year probably in my life. Now, you were in school, right? Mm -hmm. You were studying ballet and, 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 and Italian dance. Like, what, how did you, how, we, how did it even happen? Because now, like, you've so much embraced Indian culture and dance, right. and you know so much about the history. Yeah. How did this happen? How were you called to go there? And I, I understand you got a scholarship. Yeah, well, I would say that... How um, did you even know they had such dances? I know, I know. It's, uh, I mean, I really understand these as Grace guided me there, but it was because it was absolutely out of the blue. So I, I'm from Milano, I studied in university, and I was working in, in a theater, and I was always been very interested in, in an expressive movement, in, in energies. So in, uh, my dissertation was about movement uh, with meaning, with energy. And uh, I love researching. Mm. I love researching. So I love dancing and researching. And suddenly I ended up in a workshop um, in, in Bergamo, in Italy, uh -huh. with an amazing Indian master. Oh. And uh, so uh, this was uh, many, many years ago. And I remember it was a five days workshop. And this incredible master, it was another dance style, it was Odyssey. However, similar, similar to Bharatanatyam, and we tried the posture, we tried a few mudras, and I completely fell in love. Oh, wow. It was just love. I, I, I cannot explain rationally. So I ran to the teacher at the end of the, uh, at the end of the class, and I told mm. her, listen, I really want to study this dance. I just, mm. I, I love it. And she <laughs> told me, yes, yes, you, you can study here, you know. And I said, no, 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 no. I want to go to India and study this dance. And in that moment, in my heart, I decided that I need to go to India and study this dance. I know it sounds like... No, it's great. It's, it's completely clear. It was just it's like, so I clear. Know. And I was 25 or something. It was just so clear that that was something that I needed to do. So I went to my professor in university and told him the story and say, listen, I need to go to Indian research on Indian dance. And he was very supportive, actually. And just quite quickly, I wrote a project. I won a scholarship, which was 
really out of the blue because mm -hmm. again, from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of mm -hmm. Italy and the Indian government, and suddenly I got accepted in this incredible, in the best academy of Indian dance. Yeah. But I mean, my family didn't have any yoga background. I never been to India before. I never did yoga before. I was totally like new to everything. And suddenly, so I have my backpack and you know, my beautiful shoes from Milano. <laughs> and I'm in this taxi with all the noise and, and all this craziness of India. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. <laughs> And what was, you know, like a one-year research scholarship became my life, basically. Became my life. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. Can you believe that? I think it's a beautiful story. So I, I love hearing it. <laughs> I do want to go back to the one thing, like I, we sort of talked about this, like, and I, and I can imagine, but I also was wondering if you would share, like, about the challenges. So I can imagine jumping into a t different world in that way. But, like, what, perhaps, could you just tell us what, maybe was the most challenging or one of the major challenges for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, at the beginning, uh, adapting to this new reality and especially the climate. South India is uh, very warm, very hot and especially very humid and also keeping myself healthy in that climate. And so I need to learn what to cook, how mm. to cook. And it was all a process of observing them and eating like them at the same time, uh, in the same way. And uh, at the beginning, I didn't even know what to eat because it was yes. just so different. And my body had to really get used to all these. And second was the intensity of the training. It was so challenging. I mean, it was beautiful, but the first years I would train from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Indian dance, Sanskrit, music, a vocal, uh, religious study, yoga, of course, everything. And then I would take also private class mm -hmm. because it was difficult for me as a Western to, I, I needed to understand the pedagogy is very different mm -hmm. in India. Uh, and for them, it's just so natural to chant mantras and mm -hmm. and uh, do this beautiful gesture. And for me, it was it was hell. <laughs> it was so difficult. And no iPhone, no iPod, uh, no uh, no books. Huh. And I went to the teacher and say, "Hey, can I have a books just to keep up with all these?" And, say, and they they laugh at me. No, 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 you just do it. You have to repeat it. Oh, wow. And so learning Sanskrit just by repetition and just by observing. Wow. So the first year it was super demanding for my body, my mind. Well, it's like you're using everything. You're using everything. your whole body. You're All using, body. you're singing, you're dancing, yes. you're thinking, you're repeating. Yes. You're not writing anything down. You're not reading. Exactly. And that's really you know, the challenge for me. Wow. Uh, however, it was so rewarding because like, for example, at the beginning, there were this very long choreography with Mudra and I, my mind would say, I will never get this. But then with the guidance of the teacher, now I, I can learn and repeat 20 minutes of choreography just like this easily. 
Wow. It's so incredible how you can overcome your own mind. So uh, many, many challenges, mm -hmm. however, support all the teachers and inside of me like a string and a fate that that's what, this is I, what you're meant to yes. do. Well, it's like you're overcoming your cultural and childhood conditioning, right? As a yeah. psychologist, I think about that all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like people are like, am I ever going to get better? How can I get beyond it? But it's like right. we're, there, we have this very deep conditioning, right? Yes. But it's not the truth of who we are. Yes. And like you're showing how you overcome it. Yeah. And yet then also you also have this awakening experience. Exactly. And you process. find yourself. You find yourself, right? As opposed to what you're conditioned to or supposed to be or do. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you studied other dance forms from, you know, your culture, from yeah. Italian culture. Yeah. What was it about, like, how did you learn about these greater potentialities and capabilities? Was it through the Indian traditions? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, this all came while learning Indian dance. Okay. It was uh, just putting one piece after the other. And so I started, you know, studying yoga because it was helpful for, for my dance and then find the connection. And then Ayurveda came in and then I, I find it so fascinating and, and, you know, find the connection with, with Indian dance and uh, nourish and expand. And, and it was just being in India and studying there with, with masters, with teachers that I developed these. So, mm -hmm. but also I would say uh, what was uh, key was coming back to the Western country because at the end I am uh, Italian and finding a way to deliver this content in a pure authentic way but in a way that would be digestible mm -hmm. uh, to people and so that was my uh, part of creativity and service let's say yeah. that also pushed me to understand okay what worked for me what, what was so important for me and how can i deliver this to women that and that can be relevant to a contemporary woman yes right yes. and so that question uh, my, my students somehow pushed me to um, refine and research and and find it why uh, and how to uh, deliver this this empowerment this shakti mm. so finding the way that i could be a channel Yes. Right. And so that could be helpful and, and as a support and as a nourishment and not just, you know, uh, again, like something. OK, I just want to learn another dance style, but something that was more deep and profound. So mm -hmm. also that was the key that helped me to or, or push me to get in contact with, with the goddesses and, and with the why and, and with this aspect of uh, empowerment. In the dancing, you also talk about how you know, of course, it's about awakening the sacred and adoring the sacred. And that there's also a way that this involves the audience mm -hmm. and the experience of the audience having a sacred type of experience as well, which makes me think of the greater community. Yes. Absolutely. Can you describe what that means? One of the goals of the dancer in Indian classical dance is to communicate. So uh, there is a term that we use, which is Abhinaya, mm -hmm. which is the art of communication. 
So there is an abinaya, a communication with the body, with the eyes, uh, with hand gestures, of course, and uh, with feelings, with emotion. And the ultimate goal of the dancer is not just you know, to perform something beautiful and, and refined and expressive, but is to communicate that and to reach the audience mm. and to touch their soul and uh, create this sort of magic, we can, we can call it, but uh, we call it very precisely in India, a rasa, a flavor mm. that is developing between the dancer and the audience. And so the audience is a community that is there, that is a part. Of, of the performance. So it is a part of this uh, sort of devotional, ritualistic aspect, which of course dates back in, in the old times in the temples of India. Now it's different, but still people go to, um, to temple also to see Indian dance. But even in the theater, there is a very important aspect of communicate, of, of touching the heart of mm. the audience, of just being together in this divine yeah. essence, right? Yeah, there's two things that strike me about that that stand out. One is that I have this incredible quote that I found when I was trying to read about you and your work, and I, I have to just read it because I feel like it's describing what you're talking about. And then the other is the, um, so the name of this dance, um, Bharata Natyam. So Bharata was this sage or priest from what, like 2,000 years ago or so? Very ancient. So ancient, right? Um, which this dance comes from, right? Yes. It was revealed to this person, Bharata, who then developed this developed this, this theory of rasa or yes. flavor yes. of aesthetics, right? That you, this beautiful, which inherently the, the aesthetics was combined with the sacred. Yes. So that's one piece. But then, so this, this is why then I have to read this about from this quote. So entertainment is a desired effect of performance art, but not the primary goal. So entertainment, that's great, but what's the goal? The primary goal is to transport the audience to another parallel reality full of wonder and bliss where they experience the essence, or this, the rasa, right, yeah. of their own consciousness and reflect on spiritual and moral questions. Absolutely. I mean, hello, that's yes. amazing. Yes. Yes, and that's Indian dance. And so uh, Indian dance sometimes is called one of the fifth Veda. <sighs> that's so, so interesting. The Veda, Wait, tell us what the Veda is. Right, so the Vedas are these very ancient texts that are the base of old Indian culture and philosophy. They are four and uh, they believe, there is a very strong belief that these books uh, that are giving us so much wisdom and uh, knowledge of life, they, they are coming directly from the divine. Mm -hmm. And so Indian dancing is considering this sense a fifth Veda because uh, we consider that dance has been delivered directly mm. from the god, from the goddesses, to the humanity to bring longevity, beauty, mm. awakening. Consciousness. So um, the the mythological, let's say, origin of Indian dance is really believed uh, being something something gifted, 
gift from something from someone beyond is mm -hmm. transcendental. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the power of the rasa and this theory, because uh, it really transports us into another dimension. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And I, I think about that too, with, when you talk about it with like dance or this as the fifth, this particular like variation or the sacred dance as a fifth Veda mm -hmm. of like, this kind of knowledge, you know, a way of being and like given as a form of like to awaken and awakening as being fully yourself and being healthy and how I'm so I'm curious how that connects with Ayurveda, but I'm also thinking mm -hmm. of like, you know, how dance and performance will awaken a lot of emotional aspects and how, you know, even the, the word emotion has the word, it's motion, motion. it's movement. Yeah. You know, and we, we always talk about, oh, I'm stuck in my emotions or I'm depressed. And it's like, well, what about, how about getting these mo emotions to move? Yes. Isn't that why dance and yoga are so healthy for you? Absolutely, yes. And they're so connected. And also you were mentioning Ayurveda and Indian dance is in this sense is a lifestyle. Mm. It's a lifestyle, it's, it's this beautiful art and science of, of, of living. So it's again not just an entertainment, it's not a performance, but it transforms you till the core that then you live completely in a different way. You eat in a different way, uh, you breathe in a different way, uh, you see things mm. and you interact with other people with, with a different point of view. And so uh, of course there is a life is, is a wisdom, is a wisdom, a wisdom. That, that is really a gift, is a gift to the humanity and it's so healing. And so like yoga is not just gymnastic, of course, right? So in the same way, Indian dance is not just entertainment and Indian dance, yoga and Ayurveda in, in my, this is one of my strongest point and vision, they go hand with hand. Mm. This was really something that I've been developing in the last year. Mm. I personally cannot see this discipline like separated. Yeah. Uh, they just help complement, support and uplift uh, each other. There are different branches, but they are all ultimately uh, directed to the goal of uh, self-discovery, evolution, progression, and awareness and connection with the divine and, and transformation. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very beautiful conscious way of living life through the body and, and unblocking emotion and transforming and changing. And, and they are absolutely connected, not just for, a simple well-being, but for more, for realization of who we are, of a meaning, of a purpose, mm -hmm. of, of uh, our essence, what we are here for. Mm -hmm. As, yeah, you're stamping on the ground, you're having, you're coming into the, your fullness of who you are, right? Yeah. You're having that kind of awakening with a big A or a little A, right? You're feeling more integrated as a human being. So you actually feel more connected to everybody that you're sitting here that's within this room, that's within this space, that's within this country. Like you're feeling interconnected to humanity yes. and the planet and you know, to the animals and to the little ant that's walking across the floor or what the sunset, everything has, everything feels more precious. Absolutely, everything has a meaning mm. and um, 
that's so powerful and and you realize that we are all connected and we are all one and uh, this is uh, really reality that uh, is so clear when you dance when you practice Indian dance and and in this sense community has been really so important and for me it was interesting because I started this journey quite lonely alone let's say I, I just again came from Milano and I didn't know anybody and I thought I was you know like quite weird <laughs> like okay what's wrong with me however then with years I really uh, met so many interesting people and I found my tribe mm. I found the people that were really resonating with what I loved mm. and and then it was I felt so protected and it was so meaningful for mm. me because I found my place in the world yeah. I wasn't anymore that you know, strange dancer in Milano mm -hmm. trying to research on India. Or, but I, I was really uh, finding a place uh, that was important for me, a realization. And then also this became my job, yeah. which I, I didn't mean. But then people start asking me, uh, OK, can you write about this or can you teach me? And, and so this became my life without really planning that mm -hmm. um, and so in this sense has been like building community building family building a life yeah. right around all this yeah I love how that it just comes to be it unfolds because you found what you were meant to do and what you were you know what you were here for what you're here for yes. in that way and it's just like it just starts happening it, it just flows, flows which is fantastic yeah and, you know I've seen you dance even if it was just a small snippet but you, it, it's it's beautiful. It gave me kind of like chills down my spine to to watch you at our symposium this year. Wow! I mean, it was just spectacular, and I know a lot of the participants also just loved it. And uh, I love that after uh, the performance at the symposium. Each of every participant came to me with a different comment or experience or uh, not just being grateful, but really telling me something very meaningful mm. for them that was moved for different reasons, maybe for the gesture or maybe um, just uh, because of certain expression or maybe something that reminded of their experience. and. Uh, it was, it's just so rewarding for me to see how it touches in different ways mm. everybody. And because I know it does on me, uh, it's just beautiful then to experience that together in, in a different way and share that. Now, I, I have to slightly change the topic for a second because I feel like if we don't touch upon this, I'll feel like we've avoided it and I don't want to do that. But. Um, this, the history of temple dancing and the David Dasi um, is interesting because it feels like it was in this realm of like, okay, the, the women are as like experiencing these sacred texts and dance and like high priestess kind of phenomenon, right? And then it kind of went into this place where it was like you, you describe in your book, like this place of high you know majesty in a way to like misery yes. during a period of time and then now, my sense from what you're doing is that you're kind of bringing it back to 
a, a better place and like reclaiming it yeah. for women's empowerment. Yes. So I'm curious if you would just speak about that a little bit because there was kind of like yeah. this dark place. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very uh, intriguing history. Uh, and so um, just briefly, uh, Devadasi were this uh, women dedicated to the life, to the temple, dedicated to the art and to the activities of the temple and learning dance and music and Sanskrit and all these deep studies. So it is a very um, interesting and controversial also subject. And first of all, I have to say, I find it very, very hard to find material even in India, in the Theosophical Society, in Kalakshetra Library, interviewing my dance teacher, because it's still very new. Mm. It's still very new and it is still a little bit, I wouldn't say taboo, but um, it's, it's a very delicate subject. Uh, these uh, younger were dedicated to the life of the temple and so we always have to be very aware of what is the context of India and not thinking, okay, this girl, they didn't have their freedom and, and their choices. So, we really don't have to have these judgments on, on what happened, but just uh, being aware of, of the importance of the heritage of these uh, priestesses, this group of women that they were practicing in the temple, they were cultivating these very skillful arts, and this was a lot about cultivating, for example, also the Kundalini Shakti and doing very advanced yogini practices, mantra, mudras, they were very advanced in their knowledge and dance because their life was just completely dedicated to them, not cooking, not uh, taking care of a house, which, uh, you know, in India, it's, it's yes, just... Yes, the householder. And, right, yeah. no, it's, it's just, um, it, it wasn't... I mean, that was the way that women could somehow just get educated and maintain that, let's say, independence. And so it's very important um, that uh, to uh, know that this, this happened in India. This is a very great heritage. At a certain point, there were 400 Devadasi in the Tanjavur temple you know, living there. And so means all these women uh, dancing and, and, you know, keeping the energy and doing rituals and puja and, and uh, really cultivating this wisdom from the past, right? This, uh, the story is so interesting because uh, this was so powerful, of course, this power uh, got uh, shut down, especially when the Britain came and colonized India because they thought these were too sensual or, ah. or just too powerful. And so they abolished completely the system of the Devadasi. They were uh, outcasts. Uh, they were completely, it was forbidden to dance in the temple because of course they were trying to control what was the tradition of India. And, and of course there are so many layers here, but I'm just going briefly to say that uh, these, uh, you know, dancers that they were, you know, so splendor and living in, in riches, beautiful saris and dedicated to the temple for, uh, during the colonization time, they were absolutely uh, shut down and, and so decayed. And, and also many of these women were taken out of the temple and so prostitution was one of the problem in which they f fell. And so the system completely collapsed. Mm. 
And that's why uh, when we maybe Google or look up the term Devadasi, we encounter this, this prostitution, yeah. this term. So it's, it's still very controversial and still not very well studied, let's say. However, recently, finally, uh, what is uh, happening is that uh, uh, the scholars and uh, also dancers are really reevaluating what was the heritage, what, what these women, these yeah. priestess were doing in the temple, and uh, you know, re, uh, revival this power. Mm -hmm. And this happens, for example, when Rukmini Devi, uh, so with the end of colonization, decided to um, give a new splendor to the tradition of India. There was a big movement when, when the colonization finished, there was a big movement of trying to uh, bring back the traditions of India, all the rituals, all the beauty that was a little bit lost and hidden during uh, this time. The and one that was under control, being under controlled. Control, under it's, the Victorian. Yeah, know, the Victorian aspect. aspect. It's so interesting too. It's like that way in which it's like the, the, the fear. It's always like yeah. the women are out of control. Exactly. You know, the sensuality. It's like, but it's... It, but it, it, too it's, sensual, too powerful. Too powerful. This, these women were very powerful. They're, they just hold the Shakti. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just talking Holding about... Shakti. Not yeah. money. I mean... At a certain point, they also own a lot of land and money and, 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 and power, let's say rituals. And, mm -hmm. and, and so when they, you know, from outside they saw it, they say, oh, no, 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 this is too, too sensual, it's too much. And, and so they just try to cut it down. But as I said, shut this current and find a way. <laughs> find Finds a way. way. <laughs> Finds a way to rise. To rise. And so... It came mm, back. I and love that. Yes, it came back through this figure uh, that, you know, restores somehow uh, this ancient temple dance. Of course, in a in a different way because then uh, there wasn't anymore, you know, um, the the idea of going to the temple to study. So there were academy, there were dance school, there was a teacher, there was a sort of system like a new protection, a new cable that was containing this Shakti and it was presented, you know, as an art form and so became a classical art form. It's a little bit different and, and we can ask ourselves what is lost in transition. However, what I really believe is that the power of the rituals in the temples of India is still there in this classical dance style. Mm -hmm. We can't deny that. Right. And even now scholars are saying, yes, the heritage of the Devadasi was so important mm -hmm. because that's where Indian classical dance come from. And that's why Indian classical dance is so powerful and empowering, especially for women. Yeah. And I swear when I say this story to my students, like in California or everywhere in the world, there is like the blood of women start boiling and, and <laughs> there is really like a recognition hmm. of this Shakti, of this energy, because we feel like, hey, why do they try to repress this? Right. And let's get it back and let's And like you said, it. they can't 
repress it because the Shakti is fluid and always yes. finds a way yes. and it comes out through the dance which it is so out. healing absolutely and I love that and it brings me back to that idea of like the movement of emotion and moving it and that it always yes. will find it's always looking for a way out the yes. body's always looking for a way to heal the yes. energy is always looking to be fulfilled to awaken this dance is very transformative and very healing and even though women uh, don't want maybe to become a dancer when they come and experience they immediately remember mm -hmm. feel and remember this power and this was something that I started noticing while I was teaching that I had you know women coming to me and then I noticed that they they didn't really want to you know, just become a dancer. They were intrigued by the dance style, but there was something happening. Mm -hmm. So they would start crying suddenly, or or just mm -hmm. like changing their life. Uh, so many things were happening in, in, in my dance class, and I was becoming even more aware of the power that was encoded wow. in these movements that would just come out. And I couldn't control that. And so that's why in my last years, I really focus on women empowerment mm. because through Indian dance and, and yoga, pra yogini practice, because mm -hmm. I feel this is a great uh, vehicle for women to find their Shakti, to, to, to awaken their energy, to, f to express, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. communicate something that is maybe stuck or... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's really like a yogic experience. So we were just talking about women's empowerment. We were talking about how women feel uncomfortable with their bodies or people in general, right? It's not yeah. just women, but we feel like, oh, you know, I can't do that yoga pose or I can't do that dance movement or like I have this knee problem or I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not coordinated. And we just sort of do ourselves a disservice. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking about a lot of your dance classes are about empowering people yes. to say like, you know what, you'd be surprised of what you can do because some of it is about not feeling empowered. Yes. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that work that you do with women. Yeah, it's so interesting when women come and at the beginning, one of the first thing that they say is that uh, my body is, is not enough, I'm not enough, or I don't have time, or uh, I, I will never get this. And, and of course, there is a mind limitation and, and a self-judgment and of course, you know, all these pressure of the society and, and all pressure. But then uh, with, with the guide and, and support and also with the support maybe of other women with the group, mm. uh, they try and first of all, they feel surprised and they're being carried away in this beautiful world of the priestesses. They just forget about all this, let's say, bullshit. Or all this. <laughs> just thinking that. Forget <laughs> you know? about the bullshit. Forget about that and just dance. And they really feel like a priestess and then, you know, they gain self-confidence and they really empower themselves. And so in the last years, I tried to develop this work related to women, empowerment and, and the goddesses of India, because uh, these are really incredible models for us, archetypes. Archetypes, to right. To relate to. 
And so, for example, Sarasvati is the goddess of wisdom and creativity and communication, and she's water. And so I create a sequence, sometimes a very simple sequence with mudra, original because I try to maintain the mantras and explain the tradition. However, something that can be accessible to so, women. So the mantras and the mudras, so the mantra is the sound, the sound or the chanting yeah. and the mudra is the hand, hand gesture. gesture. So exactly. you corporate that represents Saraswati exactly. or a goddess in exactly. the dance. Exactly. And okay. you can dance her, so you can invoke her or call her, mm -hmm. you know, through your body. Love it. And yes. feel their energy and awaken and connect with that archetype. Beautiful. Right? And so suddenly women feel like, oh my God, I, I just felt my creativity was so shut down. Or like in my course they say, usually I'm so shy, but I feel like I want to speak and then I always wear black, but I want to wear white, which is the color of Sarasvati, for example. And uh, on the other side, sometimes I present Durga, who is uh, the fierce goddess riding the lion and, and really representing the inner power, the capability of overcome inner demons. And mm. oh my God, she's so loved. And, and also, you know, how um, also difficult sometimes for women to, and men also, to just get into aspect of, of fierceness, mm -hmm. of, of being um, uh, ferocious in, in, mm -hmm. in a healthy way, you know, focused and clear. And so stamping on the floor again yes, yes. <laughs> and, you know, learning the Durga mantra and the mudras that are embodying Durga and feeling in the body, mm -hmm. calling that energy and suddenly really feeling liberated or connecting with this energy and so many things happen because it's again an embodiment of something bigger. Yeah. It's an embodiment of something bigger than yourself, but that it's awakening that inside of yourself. Exactly. So you can get the gear. It's, it's working with these archetypes. Absolutely. And I love that. Like, I love that the archetype of fierceness as manifested in Durga yes. or Kali. Yes. And becoming that where it's like instead of fierceness as something that should be afraid of or shunned, but it's transformed into a certain power. Absolutely. Seeing that and, and, uh, and dance it in the body. And Dance it in the body. And Kali, for example, again, one of the most misunderstood goddesses in the Indian tradition is uh, when I present the course on Kali, she is adored mm. and so needed. And women are like, in, like shaken because uh, Kali cuts the ego mm -hmm. and she's sticking her tongue out and she's not pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, she's not just sitting on a lotus uh, flower, but she's, you know, like pretty intense. But that intensity, that fierceness, that strength, that inner capability of cutting the ego is so needed. Mm -hmm. And especially for women. And so it's not just that, that wildness and misunderstood, uh, you know, like the, the witch or the bitch. Uh, no, mm -hmm. it's the, just that um, healthy uh, fierceness of, of, of the The person. fierceness of cutting the ego. Yes. You know, and it's so funny, right, that the true power, I mean, there's this quote, like, true power is to empower, mm -hmm. but true, and true power is 
to cut the ego. Yes. And isn't that funny? You're more yes. powerful yes. from the heart than you are from the ego. Absolutely. And we're so scared of it we're as a culture. Very, yeah, absolutely very scared, especially in the Western country, while in India, which is a very ancient culture and so related still with Mother Earth and with the feminine in, in, a, in a deep sense, is telling this is part of life and Kali is the time is death. And Kali's uh, time is death? Yeah, what Kali mean? means uh, time. Okay. And also the color black and also represents the death. So the death of the ego, but also the death of our body. And, and Kali is awakening uh, to the fact that at certain point we're going to die. And so, you know, just be aware that this is your opportunity uh, to, uh, to evolve and, and to live and to live fully. And, and so, you know, cutting the ego and just every moment is so precious. Be aware that this is your opportunity to live fully. Yes. And be able to channel that kind of fierceness yes. and power in a way that's constructive. Yes. I mean, I, I think about that because, right, I'm a psychologist by profession and that clients and people and people close to me, myself included, we, ha we struggle with what do we do with our anger? Yes. And if we can channel it into something that's productive and not disavow it, like, oh, God forbid you should have anger. It's like, of course you have anger, you're yes. human. Yes. Use it, yes. use it wisely. To transform. To and transform. And see as opportunity. But it. don't deny that. That's, that's one of the, it's like the Shakti when we were talking about the Devadas, you know, suppress. No, we cannot, we cannot shut them down. We cannot shame that. We need to see, we need to channel in a proper way, and uh, we need to transform and use it for right. uh, evolution, for something positive, for an opportunity. Exactly. And it takes great courage, I think. Well, it takes great courage because it's just as you said, um, we feel shame and if we shame it, we're stuck. Yes. We've got to not, we've got to move out of it and acknowledge it and own it. Yeah. I mean, you say that in your book, I think that this form of dance is, or yoga is an aspect of this dance, like some of the postures are similar. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Is that accurate to yes. say like it's a move, like yoga is moving, but also like some it's, of the, some of the asana. Absolutely through the practice we cultivate our inner self. We awaken, we transform and and so sometimes I feel Indian dance is a feminine yoga and, and it's very interesting how many women are coming to this class because they're interested into the spiritual awakening and true movement and uh, in the process of transformation and getting support uh, through that um, and uh, getting nourishment. So like we've talked about the, the soul and the spirit, but just um, also in regard to the physical body and physical health, how does it help you physically on a, just a very basic literal level? Yes, absolutely. So. Uh, first of all, uh, it, it helps to balance, uh, you know, the wellness of bodies, just, you know, the movement is, is a very uh, vigorous and healthy movement. And in this sense, I have to say that uh, in, during the years, I've been a bridge and maintain, trying to maintain the, the, the essence and the purity of the teaching, I also developed uh, exercises and practices that could be uh, of a fit of our Western mind and body. And uh, 
usually these sequences uh, with the music and uh, just stepping into the sacred space uh, help really uh, people to, to feel the body, to get uh, in harmony, harmonize, and also to release the mind from worries and preoccupation, just get present, get into the sacred space, and then more deeply connecting to the soul. So uh, we set an intention, for example, for every dance class when we salutate Mother Earth. Mm. And uh, so it's a moment that um, women especially can dedicate to themselves and uh, get that nourishment and stop all the activities, all the doing, doing, mm -hmm. doing, and just doing something for themselves, being, and then just get the joy, the pleasure. Mm. Uh, the the um, uh, being again transported in another the, in the dimension of mm. the priestess feeling like a priestess mm. all the day you feel like oh I have to work I have to do this I have to pay my bills and my children and this and that and so it's a lot of preoccupation and then yeah. Indian dance said let's surrender let carry let be carried by Mother Earth mm -hmm. and heal yourself and nourish and then you can go out in the world and do mm -hmm. uh, all the things that you need to do, but take this hour just for yourself, for your sacred, your mm -hmm. redaya, your heart, your, mm. uh, your, your temple, your inner temple. Mm -hmm. And I think in this way we cultivate well-being, but also the sanity of our mind. Yeah. And also we find a purpose, yeah. right? We just, every day we try to, in every class, we try to understand, mm. okay, what I need? In, in this time of my life, what I need now. <laughs> yeah, right? you know, you're saying that, and it, my mind goes back to yeah. So it's it's it goes back to that main thing about again about like being the priestess and yet surrender the sur surrendering in, in the way to, to the earth yes. is being the priestess. Yes, you know, and then finding that inner sense of joy yes. is what is the cultivation of you know the fountain of youth if you will or health yeah. or you know being uh, being alive in the body exactly it's through joy it's i mean i don't joy. need to go buy a face cream i just need to find joy yes exactly <laughs> i don't need to do twenty thousand crunches i need to just go dance about yes exactly <laughs> and then you find your sovereignty i mean you really are the queen of the temple i love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's great that was Daniela Riva. Thank you so much, Daniela. To learn more about Daniela's work, teachings, and upcoming workshops, please visit danielariva.com. Please come back next time on Wonderstruck, recorded on location at last summer's Embodiment Symposium in Bon Convento, Italy. My guest will be John Bervecchi, a University of Toronto professor specializing in perception, cognition, and cognitive neuroscience, and creator of the 51-part hit YouTube series, Awakening from the Meaning Crisis. For more information about Wonderstruck, our guests, and some really exciting upcoming events, check out wonderstruck.org. And please follow the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and subscribe on YouTube. We truly want to hear from you with your feedback, reviews, and ratings. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at WonderstruckPod. Wonderstruck is produced by Wonderstruck Productions, along with the teams at Bailey Newman and Freetime Media. Special thanks to Brian O'Kelly, Ileana Elefthru, and Travis Reese. Thank you for listening. And remember, be open to the wonder in your own life. <laughs>